Well, would you pray with me as we prepare to open God's word briefly? God, this Christmas, this Christmas, be gracious to us, O God. Be gracious to us to see Christ, the Son of Mary, born that we may no longer die. Born that we may live through Him. In this day of COVID numbers raging, in this day of discord and strife filling our world, We need Christ. And at Christmas we know we celebrate that he has come to us. It is in him that we pray. Amen. Well, it is Christmas. I don't know what your favorite Christmas traditions are as a family, as traditions, memories that come to your mind of Christmases of old or things you're looking forward to even this Christmas season. Perhaps you have that favorite Christmas movie that you are looking forward to snuggling up on the couch and watching this evening or tomorrow. Perhaps you have that family tradition where uh, you make breakfast in the morning and, and you enjoy a breakfast or a brunch and you're all in your Christmas pajamas and you open Christmas gifts together. And celebrate yet another year of being with one another. Or maybe you have that favorite meal that mom or a grandma or grandpa makes. That some reason walking into the house and smelling that meal. Smelling that Christmas lunch. Brings back memories of years of old. And of joys that your heart knows from that Christmas season. But perhaps the greatest Christmas tradition that most of us know are the awkward conversations that inevitably come when we're gathered with loved ones celebrating Christmas. You know what I'm talking about. You just don't want to acknowledge it. You know the when you walk in and you get a big hug and a kiss from grandpa or grandma and they say, oh, honey, it's so good to see you. Why are you still single? Can you, can you not find anyone? Do we need to try to find you a, a, somebody to marry? Or maybe the, you're sitting around the table and you say, hey, John, can you pass me the turkey? I say, all right, yeah, here comes the turkey. Speaking of turkeys, can you imagine, can you believe those Republicans or the Democrats, however you want to slice it? Or you just have the news on in the background and inevitably COVID gets mentioned and across the room somebody says, well, let me tell you about COVID. And then you get an unplanned three and a half hour explanation for everything that's going on. It happens. You don't want to acknowledge it, but we all know it in our families. We all know it as a Christmas season. So with that in mind, perhaps we can look at something that is also a little more awkward for us to consider. But in the awkwardness of looking at this, may we find the grace of seeing the Savior. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 2. If If you don't have your Bible with you, you can find it. Uh, in your bulletin that you received when you arrived, or in the Bible provided in the pew rack in front of you. I believe in the the pew rack in front of you, it's on page 1026. 
1026. And we're going to read the wise men coming to see a newborn king of Israel. We're going to learn things that are vital for us to learn. Matthew chapter 2. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he had inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Let's pause there. That last thing, that awkward thing that we have to consider as we open up Matthew chapter 2 is that Christmas gives us two options when it comes to the birth of Christ. When it comes to Christ himself, when it comes to Christianity. Jesus is either the greatest threat of my life or he is my greatest treasure. Let me say that again. He is either my greatest threat or he is my greatest treasure. And we see this in Matthew 2 as we meet Herod the king and as we meet these wise men who are going to worship him. King Herod finds Jesus to be a threat to him. He finds him to be a threat upon his throne. He finds him to be trouble for all that he has planned for himself and for his kingdom. But yet Herod, for all of his faults, and he was a vicious, ruthless tyrant of a man, for all of his faults, he knew Something that cannot be ignored. And that is that Jesus, the response to the birth of Christ, cannot be casual flippancy. For many of us, when we hear the birth of Christ, our initial response is not so much thinking that one way or another necessarily, or maybe thinking good things or sentimental things, but our response is kind of more a sense of flippancy. We respond to this with a yawn. Perhaps with a shrug of the shoulders. We haven't traveled thousands of miles or hundreds of miles on foot. But we also haven't turned the town upside down at the news of the birth of this King Jesus. We would like to think that Jesus and our response to him is perhaps more like our nativity scenes. Where, I'm sorry, I'm just struggling with this microphone. We're just going to acknowledge it, own it. You're not going to watch me fiddle with it the whole way through. And I'm going to make it better right now. Lord willing. There we go. All right. So when we put together our nativity scene, some of us like to put, we like to think of Jesus as like, okay, I'll put him in this little box. He's welcome into our home. He's welcome into my celebration of Christmas. But I want to put him in this place where he stays and nothing else changes. We like manageable Jesus but not a Jesus that demands of us our all. But I want to ask you an honest question. Something that we all must consider at the Christmas season, yet we also must consider all year long. If God took on human flesh and was born to a virgin, as Jesus was, 
and he said the things that the Bible tells us, then we do not have the option of responding to him with a yawn or with a shrug as we hurriedly get back to our lives. The single greatest question that all of us can ponder and investigate for the totality of our lives is, what will I do with these claims about Jesus? The question is not, you know, I don't really know what to think about those Christians. They kind of, as I understand them, as I, as I read about them in the news or see on TV, their, their politics are kind of off to me. Or I don't really know what to do with these Christians. One time, do you remember Bill, my coworker, about 10 years ago? He was, I think he was a Christian, and gosh, he was really weird. That's not the question for all of us. The question is, what do I make of this Christ who has come and who has been born and that we celebrate this Christmas season? It would be a tragedy to celebrate a lifetime full of Christmases and yet not know the Christ whom we celebrate. It would be a tragedy to be able to answer our Bible trivia and to know kind of the basic hallmarks of who Christ was and what he did and yet not know Christ himself. But this question, this, this, it's as if life is very loud and yet this question that we ask of who Christ is and what that means for me is said in a whispering tone where so much throughout the life of life we can't hear it. Maybe your life feels like it could be encapsulated through shopping experience of the last few days. I tried to go grocery shopping yesterday, and that was a bad idea. I don't know if any, I'm not going to say any names of stores. I don't want to get in trouble, but man, it was crowded. It was crowded everywhere. Maybe that's kind of how life feels to you. You feel like you're in a hurry, like, okay, I've got this one thing I've got to do or this one thing that's of importance to me, and yet I go about my, I, I, I'm sitting in traffic, I'm, I'm, I'm getting there, I'm, somebody, people are calling me saying, hey, don't forget the yams, do people still buy yams? Don't forget the yams, you know, and we've got, we got to make those for whoever has yams at Christmas, if that's your thing. Um, don't, don't forget the yams, and, and you're, you're carrying these burdens of going into the store, having all this stuff on your to-do list, 25 things you've got to get done in the next four hours, and, you, you, and then you get a notification on your phone, like, this package that you ordered that was supposed to be here on December 23rd is no longer deliverable. And you're like, oh, okay, there goes little Jimmy's Christmas. And, 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 and all of these things are happening, and your body's sore because everybody else has come out to the store too, and so the nearest parking spot for the grocery store is in like Quincy, and, and so it, it's just not going well. And so you finally get into the store, hours late, uh, worn and tired out, and you walk in and you sit there and say, now what did I come here for in the first place? Life has a way in its hurry and its craziness of consuming us with all sorts of loud things that distract us, that force us to, to give our attention in 18 different ways, and we don't hear that quiet voice saying, what will you make of Christ? Is he a threat? Or is he your treasure? There is no other option. You see, Matthew shows us, Matthew shows us what we sing in O Little Town of Bethlehem that we'll sing in just a few moments. That in Christ, as all the dark streets shine and the everlasting light has come, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. you're just not sure about what to make of Jesus. You're not sure that you can trust him with your life. The last few years have been difficult. 
There's questions you would have about your life that you'd say, okay, I don't know that he can answer these. Or I've asked him before and he hasn't been able to answer them. You say, I'm not ready to surrender my life. Sure, it's chaotic, but it's my life. Control of your life, questions about him. All sorts of questions about this passage. A star appearing and then dreams dictating the steps that people go. This Christianity thing seems fanciful, fanciful and full of miracles and weird things, but not grounded in reality. I don't know what to do with that. If you have questions about the claims of Christ and his birth, I, can I encourage you? Can I comfort you with the fact that Jesus can handle your questions? He can handle your objections. He welcomes your confusion. He welcomes your concerns. He welcomes your your curiosity at what this means in following Him for the rest of your life. And He offers to give answers to you that are grounded in His very heart. His heart that came his heart that he was born and he had and showed to us. If you have questions about Christianity or want to know what it means to follow him more, I would love to speak with you after our time together tonight or even make note on your bulletin. My email is provided uh, for you on the bulletin. Send me an email. I'd love to connect with you. This is, what will I make of Christ, is the most important question any of us can ask in our lives. The same authority that Jesus had over Herod, Jesus has over you and over me. He came that he might be your king. And now what does it mean that he would be king over you and over me? It means that he must be our greatest treasure. Follow along in verse 7 through verse 12 as we read. Herod has heard that these wise men have come. He's run into them and... Follow along. In verse 7, Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they the star they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. It is estimated that these wise men came from hundreds of miles away, perhaps 500, even 1,000 miles away, on foot, through rocky, difficult, tough terrain, to worship this newborn king. But if I'm honest with you, the journey for you to come and worship him might be even farther than that. Perhaps if Jesus is going to be the treasure of your life, then you recognize that it is a journey that you cannot make on your own. For the idea for Him to become greater than you, to become the prize of your soul, 
to become the one that you trust in, that your heart and your hope are anchored to, seems a journey far too far, far too uh, distant for you to make. If that's the case, welcome to Christmas. Christ has come, and Christ supplies the grace to come to Him. This is a reminder for all of us who are Christians, those of us who profess to being followers of Christ. Our human nature is to try to drag back, grab back uh, uh, any sense of control over our lives that we might have. When we feel life is moving a little too fast, a little too concerning, we're not quite sure what to do as followers of Jesus, and we feel as if life is just hitting us with, with, with uncertainty and fears and questions and anxieties. We can subtly try to start to take Him from the manger and put Him back in the nativity set where we can control Him. But let's put, us back, put ourselves in the shoes of these wise men. Why did they come worship Him? And Christian, why do you continue to worship Him? Day after day, year after year, Christmas after Christmas. Well, Christmas reminds us that Jesus is the God who rules over the stars in the sky. He cares for His people enough that He does not give us answers to life's greatest problems. He has become the answer to our greatest problem. He doesn't just rule over the stars and enter into this earth as a baby, but he was born in a manger, protected by wise men, that though he was protected as a baby, that he might die as a man. The story that we've been reading is not only one of Herod who was threatened by threatened and the wise men who treasured him. It's about two kings, a King Herod who gained power and wanted to do whatever he could to protect it. And King Jesus, who came as a helpless babe, that he might give his life. If we were to follow the course of of Jesus' life from the manger to the cross, we would find that the story of Jesus is one of people threatened by him and threatened by him all all the way to the point where they crucified him. Yet people who treasured him and treasured him to the point where they followed him, no matter where it led and no matter what shape their life took. In obedience to King Jesus. For us who are Christians, we started as ones who were threatened by Christ in the sense that he exposed our sin. We pushed him away. We pushed him away whether with our anger and our frustration or simply with a yawn and a shrug. I'll handle that religion stuff. I'll handle that Jesus stuff, that Christianity stuff another day. But in His grace, He not only broke through the barriers of time and space and entered into our world 2,000 years ago, but He broke through the walls and the objections of our hearts. And He has overwhelmed us with grace. Do you know this grace of Christ? It's a grace that envelops your heart because you've always needed it, and yet in Christ you've found That it grips you in a manner that nothing else ever has. It grips you to the point where this Christ that we sing of is not a distant and a far Christ from a day of old and for the sake of our traditions today. But this Christ we sing of is a near and present Christ. Who rules and reigns. And in him we live and we move and we have our being.
So is Jesus your greatest threat or your greatest treasure? Christmas is a time for awkward conversations. But no matter the journey of those conversations, may you go from the wilderness to the manger. And when you come before Jesus, He won't greet you with awkward questions. He will welcome you with love. And you will find in Him this profound truth of Christmas. That no matter how far you feel the journey is to get to Him, He has traveled further to come to you. And though the journey may feel like thousands of miles over rocky terrain, it's as simple as one step into His love. He welcomes you to come to Him. 2,000 years ago, He came to us. And He is still here. He is knowable. He is trustable. And He is worthy of all glory from us who are recipients of His grace. Let's pray. We give You praise, O King Jesus. And we give thanksgiving for your abundant mercy, your tender care, and your glorious coming to us. We thank you, O God. We thank you for Christ, our Lord, our rock, our redeemer. It is in his name that we pray. Amen.